You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Woman on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. Welcome to Woman on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Ian Shirwa. On today's show, we're so excited to bring you an M Pavilion talk called Women's COVID-19, Archive and Artwork in Conversation. The panel was facilitated by artist and activist Katie Svikidis. For almost a year now, Katie has documented the stories of women and gender-diverse people living in Victoria during COVID-19. Two participants from the archival project, Hope Mithumbo and Kate Sullen, sat down with Katie Svikidis to share their reflections on the tumultuous year that was 2020. We hope you enjoy this conversation. You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. This podcast comes to you from our 2020 season. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. So hello, my name is Katie Svekidis and I am um, an artist and the feminist emissary at the Queen Victoria Women's Centre. And uh, we're here today in conversation with Hope Matumbu and Kate Sulan um, to talk about a project that I've been working on called the Women's COVID-19 Archive. Uh, Before I begin, I'd just like to um, acknowledge that we're gathered here today on the lands of the Wurundjeri and the Boon people of the Kulin Nation. And I'd like to pay my respects to elders past and present and um, acknowledge that this land is still unceded and always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Um, So, yeah, so I thought I'd just start by introducing the two panel members and then telling you, everyone here, a little bit more about the project and then we're just going to have a bit of a general conversation about a sort of expansion of the project. So... um, Hope is here, she's on my right, and Hope is a queer South African woman who's been living in Melbourne since 2003. She has a master's in public health and she's almost completed her nursing degree (laughs) very soon. And um, she's also been sort of quite an avid contributor to radio and the arts and her writing has also been published in Growing Up African in Australia. And Kate, here on my left, is a director, dramaturg, theatre maker and facilitator. And she is the founding director of Raucous, who are a theatre company, um, award-winning theatre company, in fact. And they work with an ensemble of uh, 15 people who are diverse in minds and bodies. And both Hope and Kate were, um, part, were participants in this project that I've been working on this year. So, as I said, my name's Katie and I'm an artist and, yeah, this year I've been um, working on an archive collecting um, stories of women from across Victoria throughout the pandemic. Um, And so, I've sort of started the archive in 
April or May, I think. Um, time feels very strange these days. <laughs> and um, I basically did an open call out and also contacted women from, yeah, across the state. So um, working in a range of different disciplines. So artists, um, health workers, teachers, um, people that are not working, uh, women that work in um, art therapy and uh, also um, some younger people as well. And um, I've been sort of having ongoing conversations with a group of about 20 women from across the state throughout the year and that has sort of culminated in um, a series of recorded conversations between me and those women that will form... I guess, an archive that will be housed at the Queen Victoria Women's Centre. And there's sort of a hope that next year, um, as sort of things start to ease up, that it will be open, made open to the public and people will actually be able to come and look at the archive. So, and I guess it, the idea for the archive kind of came out of, um, I guess, like, quite early on in the pandemic, I felt like women were being impacted by COVID in a really particular way. And a lot of the time, I didn't really feel like I was seeing those stories being re re reflected or represented in terms of um, what was happening in the mainstream media. So I wanted to, yeah, I guess create um, a sort of a sort of adjacent sort of set of stories that people could go back to and look at in in a time that's sort of really unique and unlike anything we'd ever experienced before. And, um, yeah, so that's sort of how the project came about and it's still ongoing. I'm still um, talking to people and collecting stories and I'll probably be doing that for at least another few months. And um, it's been sort of quite interesting to see how, I guess, people have, have changed over that period of time um, and people's, you know, and it's been really nice to be able to check in with people over and over again. So it's really great that Hope and Kate could be here today so I could check in with them again. <laughs> Um, so I just thought I would just open it up, um, maybe starting with you, Hope, if you wanted to talk a little bit about your experience of this year, um, I guess particularly studying and working in the health sector. Yep. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, hi, everybody. Thanks to uh, Queen Vic Women's Centre and M Pavilion for having us today and for this amazing project. Um, well, 2020 for me has been, um, as a mature age student, uh, trying to get through a nursing degree. I wasn't eligible for any Centrelink or other supports. I don't live at home with my family. And essentially, to get a nursing degree, you need to do 800 hours of unpaid work. Um, and so this was my final year, and a, and a lot of it was doing, um, um, you know, part of the component, you know, aside from the academic work is all of that unpaid placement, um, which was was difficult uh, because there were a lot of unanswered questions as to whether, um, you know, what would happen to students if we contracted COVID and all of the question marks that were around COVID um, were not were not answered by by the university or, or other people and you know different countries around the world sort of either fast track students or decided to pay them but Australia did none of that um, 
and so doing that and for work, for you know, sometimes I did work in hotel quarantine. I've done sort of work in pop-up testing, drive-through testing, um, until the government sort of kind of put a mandate that students couldn't do certain types of work two, two weeks prior to starting their unpaid placement, but still had no way of sort of paying us or kind of figuring out how we would get, um, um, you know, c compensated. Um, and so, yeah, and, and so, I mean, I have been lucky to work in, in other aspects of community healthcare, um, and it's an area that I, I really love, um, but it's been really interesting to have gone through such a profession that's about healthcare and well-being and um, just being really tired and over it, uh, you know, at the end of it, and then also trying to keep up all this other, you know, my interest in, in, in the arts and everything. I mean, I think that the relationship between the arts, health, and well-being. I mean, everybody always talks about it. People have been watching more Netflix or, you know, have been engaging with the arts in more ways than they ever have. And, and so also seeing an area that I love and think so highly of get so underfunded and, and you know, cut. So it's been, a, it's been a tough year. And over to you, Kate. <laughs> I think that is an epic question. How has this year been? It's been epic. And I feel like... Um, I feel like it's been there's, like there's phases of the year. You know, you go, there's the first lockdown. There's that little bit in the middle where we all kind of thought we were coming out, and then there's the the mega lockdown, and then now there's now. Um, I've never felt the tension between being a mother and a working person more profoundly than this year, and um, and, and an artist. And I think I think it's been a, a real year of reckoning. Um, really, to kind of work out how to do those things. And um, I parent a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old. Both my children are adopted. And in particular, the, uh, my youngest child came to us as a five-year-old. So initially, um, you know, we've been working really hard for five years to um, work with her to go, the world's safe and predictable and, and you're okay. And then she was really thrown by um, COVID more than we had anticipated. So the initial phase was really just trying to bunker down and and it was really, a, um, I feel like we were in, all in a bit of survival mode, trying to just work out how to navigate and negotiate this very unsafe time and a very frightened child who was very angry um, and didn't really understand. And um, the pandemic was my fault, which I felt very powerful. <laughs> um, but, you know, as time went by, we, we you know, and that initial kind of um, really destabilising moment settled, um, then, the, then, then it was about working how, how to homeschool and be an artist and um, continue to work and hold together a company um, in a very unusual way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, um, like, that I, like how to manage work or, like, this idea of work like with such like everybody sort of experienced like an upheaval to that in really different sense I think and um it's uh, but I think it's what's been sort of quite interesting actually talking to all the different people is everyone's experienced that in really different ways like I know for you Hope you sort of um looking I was looking back through the conversation you were sort of talking about how your work didn't feel like it changed very much but there was this sort of background of the pandemic to but you were still going out sort of quite consistently during that period? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, everybody, yeah, spoke about 
the lockdown, I mean, but in some ways it was a boom period for healthcare workers, even though we were on the front lines of, of, of something that is um, very dangerous. Um, you know, but, you know, one of the saving graces, I guess, is that I was out every day. I would see people, you know, three, four times a week. And that would sort of be surreal as people are talking about, you know, how to adapt the home office or do this or do that. And it's like, I, I can't relate. Um, and, and I'd just be tired all of the time. So if it wasn't unpaid placement, I was sort of doing community work and, and meeting people, different kinds of people sort of every day and having an experience that I guess uh, the majority of people were not sort of talking about. And, and that was really strange, feeling tired in this way and everybody wanting lockdown to end. And I'm sort of like, well, it's, it's just different. It's not really um, and and I guess and I guess coming you know everything coming out of it now and it's like well I'm still tired I in some ways lockdown was a good way to like not have the distraction of catching up with friends because going back as a mature age student you know it was really hard to juggle you know going out with friends because I you know I used to work in public health have a desk job and that sort of thing and everybody wanted to go out catch up for birthdays so to be honest it was kind of nice because it felt that like the word world was on pause for me until I finished um and so as things started to open up and everyone's like we haven't seen each other it's like no no I've seen enough people don't call me <laughs> don't come over <laughs> um and, and so so that's been really strange not that I'm not happy for all of us and I'm not happy for everyone having this time to go out but I think that the burnout for the workforce that is in healthcare and healthcare never stops you know it's a, you know it's a it's a permanent job that you'll have for as long as you know touch wood people aren't very sick but for as long as people will need people to look after them it's something that keeps going and on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Woman on the Line. If you're just tuning in, we've been listening to an M Pavilion talk called Women's COVID-19, Archive and Artwork in Conversation. And in this next half of the program, Hope Mathumbo interrogates the romanticisation of the nursing profession and Kate Sullen shares lessons she's learned along the way. And it's a very interesting thing because it's a it's a big female-led profession. And there's all, you know, there's been a lot of martyring, whether you talk about being on the front lines, whether, you know, uh, they want to honour us next year, but they're not going to pay us. And that's really weird, you know. Like, you know, you have things around, like I, I talk about the martyring and, the, you know, making us, turning us into like the new Anzacs, but we're not really seeing the kind of money and development going into healthcare as we see in terms of like military spending, for instance, you know. So we've got one sort of lest we forget that's built with all these macho men that are pretty much the most feral people ever drinking out of prosthetic legs. Sorry for anyone who this is triggering. And on the other side, we have a profession that's being seen as like, oh, wow, we did need healthcare workers. We did need you, all you fine, brave young ladies. But how are we going to thank these people? Um, definitely the federal government hasn't had any answers to that. The state government's done a little bit in recognising healthcare. And this isn't just about us, I guess. I mean, the other thing for me was... I was spending lots of time, we didn't really have honest conversations for, with elderly people and immunocompromised people. I've got asthma myself, but being around, being one of the few faces of elderly people that they saw and, you know, we're trying to prolong someone's life, maybe one or two more years, and all they ever wanted was to see their grand, the grandkids or their children. And they're like, yeah, COVID, you know, I don't, I don't mind getting it if it means, you know, at least seeing my grandchild or this or that. And we didn't really have lots of honest conversations, I think, about 
quality of life. Um, you know, we have lots of conversations about prolonging life, um, but when we see the same elderly people presenting to a hospital, then it's sort of like a shuffle of who gets a ventilator. But there's some people who are like, well, I, I would like people in my house. If I don't have that much longer anyway, I would like them in my house. So sometimes I'd feel very sad that I was out, you know, th two, three times a week seeing all these people who are like, well, it's just you again. Where's my grandchild? Where's my son? Where's my daughter? Lots of anniversaries, lots of birthdays that people missed um, without a choice, without, without having an honest conversation. It was like, everybody will do this in this way. And parts of that were also unfair. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, um, like on one hand, I kind of, there's this sort of understand, I can kind of see big picture why the government wanted to like create laws that were very understandable and clear. But I think... At this, yeah, this is like lack of nuance then like left so many people out of the sort of picture. I mean, I think particularly aged care and, you know, people that suddenly like can't see their families for a really long time. And yeah, I guess this was like, it was that weird balance where like sometimes I feel like there needed to be nuance and there wasn't. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I guess like Kate, I guess for you, like working must have been like also really different because I guess you uh, went from probably having many plans to doing something very different. Yeah, I think I'm not unlike many artists who that weekend of the 13th of March, uh, you know, over kind of three days, really everything that we had in plan and in place just kind of got cancelled or... Um, and I know that that was a very similar um, three days for many, many artists where you just kind of watch the year's plans go. But, you know, I understood why and... Um, and that was just what had to happen. And, um, but it was devastating at the same time. I think what was interesting, I work um, with a company called Raucous, uh, which is a long-term ensemble-based company. And there's 15 performers. Um, some identify as having a disability. Some don't. And um, what I feel like happened is the cracks that were already there, any cracks that they were kind of bubbling away under the surface, you know, COVID really brought to the fore. They did that internally in my family or the cracks that were there for my children kind of got exposed and same for um, my the ensemble that I work with. So um, we are a very connected ensemble. We're a long-term ensemble. We work together every week and suddenly I could not find half my ensemble. They disappeared because they live in supported accommodation or um, I just... I just could not find them. So it took a while to find everyone. And then, you know, people were going, just get online. But that for this company with people with very different access to technology, knowledge of technology, ability to um, work with technology, it took us a long time to find people, get them equipment, get them the skills, get them the training to be able to then meet together on Zoom. And um, it was a long time. It took over a month of really hard work and a lot of support. Um, but we got there and then we had to work out how to adapt a process that's really based on connection, on touch, on um, energy exchange between people in a room. How does that work online? And so that was a big, a big process of working out how to do that and how to, um, to, to maintain an ensemble practice, let alone a creative practice on a really, really different medium. Yeah, and I think that um, that rush to, like, go digital, for want of a better way, is, like, um, 
I don't know, that's, to me there's some sort of link between like this sort of rush to just like find a solution really quickly that's sort of similar to what you were talking about in terms of like not people not having access to aged care or their family. It's just like there was just like this continual rush to like find a solution to something like that and I think like sometimes that meant that people were missed out or that there wasn't, you know, I think digital access in particular, um, like there are definitely people I was speaking to in Geelong who were talking about the fact that there were lots of, um, you know, kids in that area that didn't have the internet so suddenly couldn't do homeschooling and so there were um, people that worked in the community there that were sitting outside kids' houses with their phone hotspot on so that the kids could tether to their phones so that they could do their homework. And, um, you know, I think that if anything, the pandemic sort of has brought up these like cracks in in the sort of, I guess, in lots of different sort of structures, both personally and also, you know, on a sort of bigger, on societally as well. And yeah, I was wondering, Kate, if you could talk a little bit more about the um, thing that you ended up doing with Rockers. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, one of the, I think, I think this time has had, really significant challenges but also really significant um, gifts and um, and opportunities and one thing that did happen um, for us as a company is we kind of really thought thought about what it, what why do we do this and what is our purpose and what what can we can we do and I, I was reading a beautiful article by Anna Goldsworthy in the monthly who's a concert pianist and she spoke about um, missing performance and but then she spoke about this moment where she a friend of hers was very unwell and very sad and she sat down and recorded on her iPhone a piece of music for her friend and sent it to her on her iPhone and she said it wasn't you know concerts um sound quality and it wasn't on the beautiful most beautiful piano ever but it reminded her of what brought her to music in the first place and this act of um, reminding people that we're not alone and that art is a gift and a and a, a moment of generosity. So as a company, we started to think about what is it that we uh, what's sustaining us during this time and how can we share that with people. So one of the things that we were doing is we were dancing together and getting a lot of joy from dancing together online. And so we just thought about offering a twenty minute dance break in the middle of the day to people. We called it Dance It Out, and the idea was that you'd come. Was it twelve o'clock? It would be you know twenty minutes. You'd come and you'd dance with us, we'd lead a dance session online and it just went off. We were just so surprised at, the, um, at what happened and so we had to upgrade our Zoom account to have more than 500 people on, you know, so people, it just took off and what this beautiful sense of community, all sorts of people from all, um, from all around Victoria and some from interstate and international as well, joined us for this beautiful um, community dance where we, we, led, we led a dance session and we danced together. And it was really, really spectacular and one of the most, um, yeah, it was just a really moving and beautiful thing. And then we started to think about other things that we could do for people. So we, we had conversations with people about um, things that they were grappling with and are missing. And from that conversation, we would create images and we worked with photographer Pia who would um, create an image and we took, did a lot on Zoom and then we did some in real life when we got there and we'd take an image of what they felt that they needed and, um, and then we'd send it to them in the post. So we started to make these little offers of art as a connector and as a gift. Mm. And they really were like um, 
Like it was such a like extraordinary thing to participate in. So um, I went to two of them and I think like oh, I'm getting emotional now. Like I feel like that was such like at the time, like I just like the first time I did it, I was just like so overwhelmed with emotion and I think it was just um, like I hadn't been in a space with a lot of people for so long and, you know, and I, and I hadn't really communicated with anyone sort of beyond like maybe my work colleagues or like my partner or my family and so it just... Um, yeah, it was like very like a really special thing to do, I think. Yeah, thanks. And, and what I think was so beautiful about it is that people were seeking joy in this time that was really challenging and sharing joy with each other in this. And um, I just felt like people were really, really showing up for something, you know, in that time, despite everything. And you could see kids and computers and homeschooling and pets and, you know, it was just really um, a beautiful moment. Yeah, and I think that um, like something about that craving of connection with other people that were going something really through something very similar at the same time was sort of quite important. And I guess sort of maybe we'll use that as a little segue for my next sort of little question. But because um, a lot, you know, a lot of the conversations I've been having, people have talked about like how challenging it's been to then have to communicate or find relationships with family who are not here. And I know both of you have family that don't live in Melbourne. So I was wondering if, Hope, maybe you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, with, you know, my family is sort of all over the place. I was, I was born in South Africa, but we moved here with my mother and my younger sister. So my mum is... Um, 64 and she's a nurse we moved here because she's a nurse and she was still uh, she's still nursing um, but I think I don't know where she was maybe she was in Tamworth or somewhere else but she was interstate working and we were like look if you can get your contract extended don't come back um, and so she was just still working and we're like well hopefully um, you know COVID won't sort of spread um, as 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 much as you know as much as it has in other countries and and thank goodness it it hadn't and my younger sister is a radiographer in, in Mulgrave um, and so it was really interesting the trio of us sort of being on the front line separate but connected in this you know front line and way. sadly here is where we leave our conversation. We'd like to thank Queen Victoria Women's Centre and M Pavilion for giving us permission to share this wonderful piece of programming with you. And of course, a huge, huge thanks to Hope Mathumble. Hope, as you know, is a former Woman on the Line presenter and is the reason we even have this audio. Woman on the Line is one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs. It is produced and presented by a range of women and gender-diverse broadcasters from 3CI in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email on womanontheline at gmail.com. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website at 3cr.org.au slash womanontheline. Our theme music is by Ripley Kavara. We finish today's program with TK Maidza and her track Simulation. When I get up and you stay If I break the rules, will you play? Tell me that you want it, tell me there's no need to show it But you don't see what I see, you never will What's it about? All the same I let it flow and you play Hide it if I win it, don't need you to make it honest Cause the trouble that we follow isn't real And I say, hey, hey Living on the run, pulling at the strings Till the lights turn on, it's too late Living on the run, but
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.